Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome to Natural MD Radio. You know, a few years ago, I ran into a woman who had been my dean in medical school, and she was wearing this absolutely beautiful ring. This woman was very accomplished and very self-possessed and just confident. She was mature. She was probably in her early 60s at the time. And I said, wow, that is a really gorgeous ring. And I don't know why, maybe some kind of like weird programming that I still have, even though I think of myself as a feminist, my weird like gender role programming comes in every now and then from being born in 1966, I guess. Um, And I said, oh, did your husband give that to you as a gift? And she said, no, I bought it for myself. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And she said that when she was in college, she went home for her first holiday vacation to her roommate's house. And her roommate's mom was just this badass, empowered kind of feminist who actually sat the girls down one night. They were chatting and having tea and whatever. And the mom said to her, look, I just want to impart some wisdom to you guys. And one of the things that the mom said was, don't wait for someone else to give you what you want to give yourself. And this was actually really revelatory for me because I realized that in my own marriage, which has now been for 32 years, I often will expect something from my partner that I could actually do for myself, but in some kind of like emotional game that I'm replaying of past disappointments that I'm definitely clearly projecting onto my partner, like I'll have these expectations, I'll not get them fulfilled because for whatever reason, he doesn't pick up on that or jump in that game or give me that thing I need. And then I get mad at him rather than just sort of like being a self-starter and taking care of myself. And I learned at some point, wow, that is something people call codependency. So with me today, I have my new and amazing friend, Terry Cole, who is a licensed psychotherapist with like 20 years of experience. She's a transformation coach, author, speaker, and meditation teacher. For almost two decades, Terry has empowered celebrities, professional athletes, and individuals alike through television, radio, her popular TEDx talk, What If Fear Was Just a Feeling, workshops, and a thriving practice to help redesign limiting mental blueprints to create extraordinary lives. Terry's strategies combine practical psychology, Eastern mindfulness, and harnessing the power of intention to create substantial change. Her wicked, tell it like it is, sense of humor, which I will attest to, but always kind, and razor sharp insight combined with deep empathy and understanding give her a unique ability to reach people and inspire true transformation. Her upcoming course called Real Love also gives you the tools you need to attract and create juicy, healthy, long-lasting love in your life, which is something that Terry knows a lot about and really gives to her friends, family, and community. Thank you so much for joining me, Terry. I adore you. I'm so thrilled to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Yay! So tell me, do I sound like I have a codependent pattern? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what's interesting? Here's the thing. What you described, it was so hard for me to like sit here and be quiet because I wanted to be like, hey, let's talk about that. <laughs> we, we could talk about that. Well, we're definitely going to talk about that today. But what you were describing, there is a certain um, codependency to that. But so much of the time, the codependency that it's really like a dysfunctional helping, right? Codependency can be, yes, you expect your partner to read your mind because you don't want to have to. They're giving you, it's almost like you can't create that for yourself. Exactly. It was, it was like a perfect example. But when I think about codependency, if we look at like, what is the actual definition of codependency? Excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically a partner who requires support due to an illness or addiction. Mm. So- that is really the definition of codependency, where women who overfunction, men who overfunction all the time for their partner, and don't encourage them to sort of be their best self and be on their own. And so, my thought about what you were saying, rather than there's one choice to do it for yourself, like the beautiful example that you gave of the woman, right? Don't wait for someone to do it. But as a psychotherapist and from a healthy communication point of view, I would say the second choice is ask your partner specifically for what you want. Mm -hmm. What is it that leads us as particularly women, most of my audience is women, but I also think that this is a really big problem with women. And kind of what I hear you describing as codependency is a little bit different than what, what my experience is. And it maybe is enabling, is that another word for codependency? Um, or is that different too? It is. I, I prefer to think of it. No, no, no. Enabling is, is a part mm -hmm. of codependency, right? So if you look at codependent relationship as a specific type of dysfunctional helping relationship, right? So dysfunctional helping relationship where one person is supporting or enabling the other person's underachievement, irresponsibility, immaturity, addiction, procrastination, or poor mental and physical health. So what is it that leads women to do this? You know, I know so many women who get into relationships and I, I actually really talk with my young adult daughters about this because I'll see them, you know, in their experimental phase of being in their early, well, when they were in their late teens and early twenties, they'd meet a guy who they knew had some kind of a emo emotional issue or addiction problem, something and they would kind of overlook it with this idea that, well, eventually he'll get over it. Eventually he'll mature. And I see a lot of women um, in my practice, in my teaching that communicate with me through my social media that feel really stuck in relationships because they made a choice to be with someone who they, who they recognized maybe had some issues but really thought, well, I'll change this person or this person will change. But now they're in a relationship where, you know, that's not happened. And they really have become kind of a caretaker in a, an, an unhealthy situation. And sometimes they feel really stuck in that. They don't know how to get out of it. Right. Well, there's a couple of uh, questions or a couple of things to sort of hit in this, which is why do people do it? Why do women in particular do it? And so women and men, we know that they're different. And we know that women, especially we can say ourselves, right, in America, are raised, even now, there is a gender-specific role 
that women, we are the, the bridgers, the assuagers, the connectors in our lives. We're the caregivers. And now, even if that sounds like a broad, because both of us are married to very caregiving men, so it isn't like we don't have a lot of caregiving from males in our own lives, uh, if I'm talking about society as a whole, right? So, of course, if you are attracted to someone as a young woman and you fall in love with someone and they're in pain, what do you want to do? Fix them. Heal them. to help. Yeah. Right, of course. Yes, you you want to be the one that you want their pain to stop, right? Mm -hmm. And yet you also want to be of service. Many women take on the responsibility. Everyone's happiness feels like your responsibility. So I find that women who fall into this more easily than others are women who have had difficult parenting situations. If you have a selfish, narcissistic-style parent your needs are not met readily. And so the way that you get their attention is that you are of service, that you take on their, like what they want to have happen, you become a part of their solution. That's how you get their attention. This leads to codependency. So now you are very invested in that parent's happiness. You don't want to be rejected by that parent. So therefore their feeling in some way becomes your feeling of they're unhappy You as a kid of a narcissistic parent feel responsible to do something to make them happy or certainly not to make it worse. So that's certainly one scenario. And you can become very codependent and not have that, you know. How do you know if you have a narcissistic parent or if you grew up in that kind of a household? What are some of the telltale signs that a a woman might recognize either in her childhood experience or in her adult patterns that she's at risk for this? Well, a narcissistic parent is someone who put their needs above yours a lot. So a perfect example is you're, if you, I witnessed this in a store, actually. There was a woman standing behind me. She had a six-year-old daughter with her. The daughter was upset. She wanted candy. She wanted something that the mom was saying no to. And she started crying. And the mother said, how could you do this to me? You always do this to me right before we're about to go to school. You do something to ruin our meeting. Wow. Were you just like, so gri- were child, you just like dying to say emotional. something? <laughs> Dude, I, I wanted to turn around and just throttle the mother. I was like, how is her pain about you? You know, but yeah, that, that is an experience where you see The parent sees everything through the eye of how it affects them, and they experience their children as extensions of them. And so they're very invested in that kid making them look good and not being unhappy. They don't care. They don't have the ability. Narcissistic parents don't have the ability to have empathy or compassion Mm. for their own children. Mm. So they could be really brutal. Yeah, that sounds really like um, you just sort of grow up tucking your own needs away all the time to not disturb your parent. So I could see how that would evolve exactly. into a relationship. So as an adult, do if you've had that pattern as a child, are you more likely to sort of recreate it by getting involved with someone who's narcissistic and sort of recreating that? Or are you attracted to someone who needs fixing more likely? You're, you're attracted to someone where you can be utilitarian or you mm. can be of service, right? So maybe you're, you end up with um, an alcoholic or an addict, 
right? You, you, you find damaged people so that they need you. You find yourself doing things for your partner that he or she should be doing for themselves, but all of it you're doing like in the name of love. You know, and maybe, in fact, your mother or your sister repeatedly tells you that you help this person a little bit too much, right? Um, you let your partner have his or her way and then feel overwhelmed with anger or resentment, right? That feeling when you become super martyred in a relationship, like, look at what I do for you. That is a common thing that a codependent is saying or thinking. Um, you feel super responsible for your partner's actions and behaviors. You're always talking about or worrying about your partner's issues, making them your issues. And really, part of it is you just allow irresponsible, hurtful behavior in your relationship, not just physically, but emotionally or financially. You know, the codependent, instead of walking away, the deep compassion that you may feel for this person makes you want to stay and help. Mm. Um, what other things? Your partner's mood affects your entire day. Right? So if your partner's in a crappy mood, that effect, that can ruin your day. You always want to know what your partner is doing or thinking. You also can get involved with their business, right? Like you can't have that separation. Mm -hmm. Your partner's needs always seem to be met while your needs and your wants go ignored. I feel like that's a lot I just said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is this, would you say that this is kind of an emotional addiction of sorts that you're uh, like, you're psychologically addicted to this behavior and you need to look at being codependent as, I don't want to pigeonhole it as a mental illness, but, but kind of an emotional addiction. Yes. And I would, I would say it's more, even though, yes, I, I would agree with that, but I would say that it's like you are compelled through fear of loss and through not understanding your own worth. Here's the thing with codependency. When you figure out your relationship to self, when you really look in, because that's where all the answers are, codependency means that you're getting your worthiness from someone else's approval. And that your happiness is dependent on them being happy with you, mm. right? It can't be, you, you can't get it from yourself. So yes, there is definitely an addiction, but there's also um, not knowing how to do it better. Because when love and neglect go together early on in a child's life, or love and um, emotional abandonment, like with the narcissistic parent, when they go together early on, this is now the downloaded love blueprint that that child who grows up to be a codependent adult, that's what's in their unconscious mind. And so to change that, you have to really want to and you have to really look in. You know, we've talked about this a lot in our conversations, Terry, and uh, about the sort of early hardwiring of fear and how that, or fear, loss, abandonment, I think they're really primarily what they do come down to is fear. And as human beings, we have such an intense need to belong. It's our survival code to belong in our tribe because it's what keeps us safe. It's what keeps us fed, sheltered, and all of that. And so many times I see that these early hardwired patterns create in us 
things that we sort of beat ourselves up about as adults, you know, we often may know that we're in a relationship that is, as we're talking about it, codependent or in some way unhealthy for us, but we're so deeply ingrained to behave in ways that we learned as children, keep us safe and keep us literally alive and fed at times, but they don't serve past a point. Like, was it once a survival mechanism has now become dysfunctional and it's continuing to run our lives. So how can we start to recognize when we are living out patterns that no longer help us anymore? And how do we start to wake up to that and change our consciousness and shift those hardwired brain patterns? Great questions. So the first thing is you look at your life. Look at the thing that continues to elude you. What is the thing that you just can't get? You can't get it together. Is it love? You're seeking a healthier relationship, but you can't make it happen. Is it success? Is it abundance? Is it what? Those are the things that are connected to some unresolved childhood injury, according to me, being a therapist for 20 years. So if anyone listening is like, gee, I don't know what it is, you do know what it is. Look at your bank account. Is it that? Look at your marriage. Is it that? Look at your your love history. So the first thing is how you identify what used to be required for your survival as a child becomes something that was super adaptive as a kid becomes maladaptive when you become an adult. And there are many of those things in codependency. This behavior is one of them. That That's the first way to identify what it is because all we care about is for for your clients and for my clients is helping people get what they want in life, right? That's what I care about. So if someone has some unresolved crap from childhood, but it's not negatively impacting their adult life, who cares? Let it go unresolved. It doesn't matter. Most of the time, when you look at the things that are eluding you, they are stemming from an unresolved original injury. And if you can connect the dots backwards in your life, you will find what that is. So let's, let's expand a little bit on uh, a few examples of, because this can show up not just in a a marital or um, primary love relationship. This can show up. I learned uh, for myself um, this past year, having walked away from a job, I had a really interesting childhood pattern where my, my parents divorced really early. And so I was like four. And my dad would do this thing where he'd say, he's coming to pick me up on Saturday. Like, so he's coming to pick me up Saturday morning and take me out to the zoo or whatever it was. And then he would be an hour late, but he'd call and say he was going to be an hour late. And then he would call two hours later and say he was still coming, but then ultimately he would never show up. And by the time I was about six or eight, I realized the pattern and pretty much knew, you know, screw this, he's never going to show up. But I can remember being a little girl waiting by the window for my dad to show up. And what I discovered, interestingly, was I was in a work relationship with someone who kept offering me things but never manifest them, but would offer me like it was a hook, right? Like to keep me baited, it was a hook. And then would say, oh, well, I can't do it right now, but give me a month and this is definitely going to happen and this is going to change your life. And I don't know what it was, but I had this eureka where I connected the dots of waiting. Like for me, the theme that comes up, like where you talk about, 
you know, is it your bank account? Is it this or is it that? It's waiting and being disappointed. And I think that's why for me, when I saw the woman wearing that piece of jewelry, it wasn't about the jewelry. It was about asking, waiting and being disappointed. So for me, that was like a big dot connector, right? Like this issue of disappointment. But for me, it didn't necessarily come in my primary relationship. It actually came in a relationship with a boss. And so we have to look outside of, I think, just the the home front. Yeah. What do you think? Completely agree. And the way that, because literally our, we can be unconsciously drawn. This is what happens. We're unconsciously drawn. It's almost like we recognize that person, like they're going to fit with us in this weird scenario, like a hand and a glove. I'm the pot. So you were the pot and that boss was the lid, right? To that dysfunction. Totally. Repeating it. So for, for those who are listening, when you find yourself repeatedly in the same situation to identify the original experience, you just ask yourself a couple of questions. Who does this person remind me of? Where have I felt like this before? Why is this familiar? I love that. Can you repeat those one time for everybody? And I'll even make sure there are points in the blogs. Sure. I think those are powerful, powerful questions that we can ask even in the moment. If we're feeling like road rage or, you know, anything that's triggering us, those sound like questions worth asking. Yes. So number one is, who does this person remind me of? Number two, where have I felt like this before? And number three, why is this familiar? Ah, Those are strong questions. So a woman asks herself those questions, and let's say she's in a marriage or she's in a job. I mean, for me, fortunately, it was a revelation, and I was able to make a major pattern switch because I was tired of that pattern. (laughs) I'm like, I'm done with that pattern. But what Mm. about someone, someone who's in a marriage And maybe there are kids and now they've woken up to the fact that, wow, I really did have this dysfunction. And I, this sounds like me that we're talking about here and the symptoms that you kind of mentioned earlier, does one need to get out of the dysfunctional relationship to heal the internal pattern? And what if you really are, you know, you're a full-time working mom, you've got two kids, you know, you're working 80 hours a week at some medical job or law job or corporate job or, or not even a high power job, a day-to-day job. And you know, your, Mm -hmm. your partner is struggling with an addiction or some pattern that he or she may just not really be ready to get out of. Do you have to get out of it? Are there ways to change yourself and in changing yourself, maybe you shift the pattern with the other person. How does this work? You definitely do not have to get out of it because every situation is completely different. And what happens is every relationship is a dance. So when you are in a relationship and the dance is dysfunctional, what I say to clients is like, okay, so we're going to change with these realizations and with the work we're doing and the peeling back of the onion, we're going to change your part of the dance. And when one person changes their steps, the other person cannot continue to do the exact same thing because it's actually impossible. So what are the first steps? If someone is listening and they feel like, wow, I just identified that my husband is just like my abusive father or my, um, uh, my emotionally distant father, whatever, whatever the case may be, what do you do? Well, 
you you want to honor the experience that you had with your father. So you write down everything that you can remember about that experience because you're honoring the little kid in you who st- is still trying to get a do-over with your dad. Mm, I love that. So, so as adults healing, how do we get beyond that need for the do-over? How do we reconcile that need for the do-over? Well, when you work this out, you can do it with a therapist. You can do it really, though, the truth is you can do it. I do it in the, the course that I offer. We really do this kind of a deep dive. It's actually a virtual course where you're doing a lot of journaling, a lot of writing, and a lot of, what's the word? You're like excavating. Is that the right word? Like you, you're digging into and digging up mm-hmm. this old Oh, like stuff excavating. And honoring. Excavating. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. Um, you're honoring that. So I always say to my clients, listen, because as soon as they have the realization, they're like, well, I am going to talk to him and I'm going to tell him. I'm like, okay, you're not doing any of that because even though you just had this profound realization, nothing has changed for him or her just yet. So how about we do some work so that you can stop having a transference to your partner And then let's see how your partner changes. You will eventually, of course, have conversations. Because listen, if you're in a dysfunctional pattern, I promise you the other person is not happy either. Mm -hmm. Do Do you feel that being in a dysfunctional pattern, even if you don't have a primary relationship, can be an obstacle to people finding that true relationship that they're seeking? Of course. Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. Because you can't serve two masters. So you can't serve the master of the past. Like, I'm going to repeat this thing until my father becomes a different person. Because, A, that was 40 years ago. And in my case, my father's dead. Like, you know, <laughs> but unconsciously, that's yeah. really what you're doing. S- seeking the, the make-believe do-over, Right. And so if you, on your own, you start to do the look in, you, you identify, oh, what is my downloaded love blueprint about? How have I been relating in my romantic relationship or in my dating life or whatever it is? When you have these realizations, you are no longer compelled to repeat unsatisfying patterns. Now you can choose when it comes from the basement or the sub-basement of your mind where you don't even know that it's there. When we bring it up into the main part of the house, now you have a choice. Tell us more about how listeners can learn to identify their own love blueprint. Well, I, I write a lot about it. So go to terrycole.com and you could put in love blueprint and there, I, gi- I give that little PDF you can get. It's right there. You can just get it for free. Um, And I also have a course, which is called the Real Love Course. And I'm actually going to be launching it again in March of 2016 this year, where it's five weeks. And I think I'm elongating it a week because it's a lot of material, where we literally go through the steps of this exact thing. And how do you do it? So let's say you you know, you you can't take the course. You're not going to do How would you do it on your own? The first thing is you have to understand. By answering the questions in the downloaded love blueprint, you start to get clarity about why you are the way you are. But, you know, Aviva, what's required 
of people. If you really want to do this, you guys, right? This is not for the weak at heart because you can no longer stay in the victim place. You can no longer blame your crappy husband, your jerky boss, your bitchy best friend. Like the reality, if you want to do this work, is that you've got to get with the fact that you are the common denominator in your life. And that is terrifying and liberating simultaneously. So if you're ready to take responsibility for what is happening in your life, then you're ready to do this work. But again, it requires you to get it that you are responsible for your happiness, not for your husband or your wife's happiness, not for your children's happiness even. And I'm a parent, so I mean, I want to be a part of it. I, if, they, if they're in pain, I want to help them. But the reality is that they are separate individuals, and this work really requires some autonomy emotionally. I think I've, I've used your love blueprint and I love it. And, um, actually there's some questions in there that I found to be very revelatory. As I said, I've been in a marriage for a long time. I have four kids, but I also work with a lot of people and these patterns can come out in all kinds of unexpected ways. And, um, there were some questions like, sort of what was your, how was marriage portrayed or communicated to you when you were growing up? I mean, really things that I think by looking at the questions can give us an understanding of our own selves in a way that actually removes us just inherently by doing the process. If we do it openly, removes us from that place of blaming ourselves from where we are and gives us actually context and perspective that can allow us to start to have compassion for those broken places that might've happened when we were kids or teens and actually take the steps to heal and getting from blame to responsibility. I find is a, is a, they're almost like two sides of a coin and the blame side is the victim side and the responsibility side is the compassion and empowerment side. So I love the love blueprint. Yes. It's so helpful. I love that. And you also, what it creates though, Aviva, I find this in my clients is this major aha moment of in love, at least societally, you know, people feel like women especially will feel less than if they get to be 35 or 38 and they're not married and they want children and they feel like a loser. And there's this old pervasive value, like this belief, this limiting belief around value if you're not married. And I think that there's a lot of shame that can come with not having gotten the love thing right, quote unquote. And shame is like the lowest emotion we know. And it's the most caustic. It is the most toxic um, and eroding. It's so bad for you. And so what I also find is when people start to have this deeper understanding of why they are the way they are, there's so much less shame and there's so much more caring and self-compassion that it's easier to move on. And also realizing that there's nothing wrong with you right? We are discovering. You are like a a puzzle. You are figuring it out, but you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. That if you want to change, you want to understand yourself more. This is, I always say that self-love is truly the path to authentic, real, juicy love. 
Because if you don't have that, how can you find it somewhere else? Someone who's willing to try to fill that hole in you is doing it from a dysfunctional place. Beautiful, Terry. So sounds like becoming self-aware, maybe downloading the love blueprint from www.terrycole.com is a great place to start. I have to tell you guys, I met Terry at a salad bar line at a conference we were both teaching at. And it was right after I had finished building and moving into a house that I had been building for 18 months and talk about first world drama. It was a first world drama for sure. It was exhausting. And in the weeks leading up to meeting Terry at the salad bar, literally like for two weeks, I had gotten three different emails from three different friends saying, you've got to meet Terry Cole. You and she would just be like BFFs. And to the point where somebody even invited us to a dinner, and I think one of us or the other or whatever, we couldn't, I think we were literally maybe moving that weekend and we couldn't come. And so, you know, everything was kind of a blur right then. And I'm standing at the salad bar and Terry walks up and said, are you Aviva? And I said, I am. And she said, I'm Terry. And I just kind of looked at her like, what Terry, like which Terry, <laughs> which, I said, which Terry? She's like, the one that Jonathan Fields tried to introduce us to and, and Gabby Bernstein and it was somebody else. And I think we must have spent the next... Michelle Goldblum. Yeah, it's Michelle Goldblum. And then we spent hours talking. And honestly, you are one of the women I have come to respect most in my life. And you have an insight into humanity and a compassion that really is unprecedented. And just deep, deep soul and a generosity in how you communicate. And I, I really, truly feel like everyone that kind of crosses your path, your goal is for them to find their truest self and live their best life and be as happy and healthy as they can be. And so, you know, it's without any hesitation and with great encouragement that I suggest listeners, please go to www.terrycole.com, download the love blueprint, because you're going to see what I mean. When you start asking yourself those questions, just give your, you don't even have to have hours and hours to do this. Give yourself a half hour just to even scan through the questions and grab a journal or a piece of paper or just read the questions. Cause I guarantee you just reading the questions, you're going to have some aha moments. You really, really will. And then when you have a li little bit longer, take some time, really go through the questions. It's a great thing if you have an active uh, relationship going on to, to do it with your relationship person. I mean, I think it's great for people who are in business together <laughs> to think about doing it. It's really very profound mm -hmm. And then if you're ready to take a deeper dive with Terry, stay tuned to her podcast. Terry, can you give us the information and name for your podcast? Sure. It's called Hello Freedom. Don't you love that? And you can get it on iTunes. Hmm. And Terry, when, whenever you're listening to this, if it's not right before the release of Terry's course, if you're listening to this later in 2016 or somewhere else down the line, um, I'm sure you'll be able to access some version of the course that Terry is about to release. But Terry, tell us when your course is going to be available and how our listeners can get it. We are going to be doing it in March. I don't have the exact release date yet. I think it's going to be mid-March. Um, and it's going to run for five or six weeks. I may just do an extra week because there's so much Q&A that goes along with this work. Um, we have a private Facebook group. There is um, a one hour every week 
I'm with you guys for one hour. So we do a live webinar, really handling the content. You have a full week to handle each week. Um, there is different content and the way the content, so it's a virtual course, right? So you can do it from anywhere in the world. And the way that the information is disseminated is through, you can either watch a video, you can have just the recording, you can have just the transcript if you just want to download it. And each week we have a different guided meditation or a visualization that goes along with the content for that week. So I am definitely going to be relaunching it. And I'm also going to have a bunch of free webinars leading up to it if you're interested in learning more. So just look for that, you guys. If you get on my list, then I'll let you know. Aviva will be promoting it so you can see on her stuff because I really have had the response has been mind-blowing. And I'll have, I'm, I have about 30 testimonials from this first course. And I'm actually still making some changes, just some structural changes where people wanted more time to do the homework and those types of things. Um, but it was kind of a risky thing to do. And most therapists don't do this because they want only people to be in their private practice. But I really am very enthused because the response has been so great. And actually, there were people who were in marriages, 30-year marriages, thinking about leaving, almost leaving. And I was like, well, why don't you take the course and see? And both the husband and the wife did the course, and now not getting a divorce. And then another young person on the fence about getting a divorce, the course helped her decide that she would get a divorce. So it's not just for people who are seeking love. It's for anyone who is in a relationship or would like a healthy relationship. I see the course as learning to be your own first true love so that all the other loves in your life are loves that respect you and fulfill you and nurture you rather than being boot camp relationship boot camp. So to start <laughs> finding ways to love yourself better, please go to www.terrycole.com and get to know my friend here and get to learn what she has to offer because she is amazing. She is just, she walks her talk and I really trust her. And she's the person that I would call and do call to sort out some of these deeper, <laughs> deeper issues that come up in life. And it can have a profound impact on so much on, as Terry said, your health, your home, and even your bank account and your success. So thank you so much for joining me, Terry. I adore you. I'm so glad that we've found each other. And thank you for the healing that you bring to all of our lives. Oh, thank you for having me, Aviva. I love you. Mwah. I'm kissing you right now. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Back at you, girl. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.